much richness in um, what Jesus told us to do that we need to spend time thinking and meditating and remembering more often than we do. So, just a general admonition for all of us. Let's, let's think hard about what Jesus was doing when he demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were set yet sinners, he, he went the second mile and died for us. The text uh, that I... I this is going to be a very short message because uh, I'm about to get wet uh, with, with my brother here. And uh, as you know, we've been working through a series of Psalms and we're going to get through to Revelation and Isaiah. And uh, we're following this theme in the scripture of, of um, uh, this theme in the scripture of uh, new songs. God keeps saying, sing a new song, sing a new song, sing a new song, make, make a joyful noise, sing a new song. And so we're look, just looking at that phrase, new song, and it's kind of the idea we have a new year, and so we're going through this series of messages to kind of, how, how can we sing a new song uh, in the new year? How can, how can the song that we live as our lives, how can it be different and new uh, in this new year? And this morning I want to look at Psalm 98, it's nine verses, and uh, if you would, um, let's, uh, let's stand for the f- reading of just the first three verses. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. You may be seated. The psalm continues a phrase here that that is going to occur in verse 4. It's going to occur in verse 6 as well. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Bring forth into a joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of a melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all, all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. It's a great text. It's an exuberant uh, praise to to God. And uh, this morning, I'm going to give you basically uh, an outline that is almost entirely Warren Wearsby's. How many of you know Warren Wearsby? This is almost entirely Warren Wearsby's outline of of this particular message I've changed a little bit of the phrasing, but here's, he, he had three points in the message that he would give. Why should we praise the Lord is his first question, and it's, he, he answers it through looking at the first three verses that we, we read. And the first one is because of his rescuing of his people, verse 1, oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, and the arm of God in the Scripture is the Spirit of God working uh, in, in the world. And that, that is the triune God working to complete his will 
uh, in the world. And what is he doing? What, is, what has been his plan through all along ever since the fall of mankind into sin? It has been to redeem a people for himself. It has been to rescue a people for himself. That's what he wanted to do. That's what his plan was to do. And he has been working that plan methodically, relentlessly, through all time, bending history to accomplish his purpose. And sometimes we are looking on with the, the limited brain power that we have, and we're scratching our heads like, what is God doing? How many of you have felt that in your life at points? Why, why me? Why now? Why this? Um, you know, things are going on around you, you don't expl- uh, you cannot uh, understand. Afterwards, you look back on it and you say, you know what, I think God was doing this, or I know that God did this. And that's true. The thing that you're observing, God was doing. But the reality is God was doing a million other things that you're unaware of through that process. That happens all the time because he's omniscient and you aren't. And neither is your pastor. But here's why we should praise God. Verse 1, because he is rescuing his people. He is demonstrating his salvation. He's working his salvation. Verse 2 goes on and talks more about his salvation in relationship to his righteousness. Second reason we should praise God, because of his righteousness. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He hasn't done this in a corner He's he's working his salvation. He wants people to know about it. The third reason, verse 3, because he remembered to be merciful. Now, when the scripture talks about God remembering things, it says he, he has remembered his steadfast love or his loving kindness and faithfulness to the house of Israel, and all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. That's the gospel going out. As the gospel goes out around the world, God is bringing salvation through Israel, through the uh, Jewish Messiah, through the Jewish prophecies, through the covenant of the Old Testament. He's delivering salvation through the cross to the nations of the world. When the scripture talks about God remembering, it's not like God was, you know, walking around heaven and, oh, I, I forgot to do that. <laughs> that's, that's not what the Scripture means. Forgot, when, when the Scripture talks about God remembering, it's, it's, a, it's a colloquialism that means God acted on behalf of his prophecy or of his people or of a situation. So the Scripture says, and God remembered Abraham, and God remembered Sarah. It means God acted for Abraham. God acted for Sarah because that was a part of his plan. So for all these reasons, we, we should praise the Lord because he rescues his people, because of his righteousness, because he works righteousness, and because he has this plan of salvation, and because he has remembered to be merciful to us. I was coming in this morning and uh, drove by First Baptist, and I, as I do all, every time I drive by First Baptist, I pray for First Baptist. I pray for the church. I pray for the pastor. I pray for, on Sunday morning, I pray for that the pastor's message would break out in revival there, just as I want it to happen here as well. And I'm, I'm praying for that. And I, and I prayed, Lord, pray I, that I pray that, that the message there would be heard by, in people's ears in such a way that they feel and know their unworthiness and rejoice that God is merciful. That's what I was praying 
for First Baptist today. And that's what I'm praying for you, for me, that we would know that we're not worthy, you know, uh, of God's love. I, I think of my wife. I mean, I'm not, I'm not worthy of such a woman. But man, am I thankful that I have her. Amen? All the, all the married men said? Amen. <laughs> you know what's good for you. <laughs> you know. Warren Wearsby's outline. Well, how should we praise the Lord? And that's his outline. Now, here's, here's my, um, my outline under that, I guess. Number, verse 4, with joyful shouts. We should cut loose. I mean, we should, we, should, we should remember that we are unworthy, but he saved us. And there should be joyful shouts. There should be new songs that we're creating for God with joyful noise to the Lord. So that, that eliminates anybody saying, well, I don't have a good voice. Then make a noise that's joyful. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. So first thing is with shouts of joy. And then verses 5 and 6, with every instrument you have. With everything, from the strings to the horn section, that is, the things that you can make music and melody with, with your hands or with your mouth, everything is engaged. It says in verses 5 and 6, sing praises to the Lord with a lyre, uh, and uh, with a lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sounds of the horn, make a joyful noise before the Lord. That's what we're to do with every instrument that, that we have with everything at our disposal. By the way, as we do that, it increases our joy and it deepens our reflection. And so that's why we're being engaged. That's why we're being told to do this. And when we don't do that, we're, we're actually cutting ourselves off from deeper, greater joy in our salvation. In fact, every time we disobey, we're doing that. Every time we disobey God, we're cutting ourselves off from a greater, deeper joy and flourishing in our own lives. Why? Because God knows what's best for us, and we don't. But He does, and He loves us. And then who should praise Him? Well, my first answer would be everyone, everywhere, verses 7 through 9. Let, let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. So let all the sea creatures, let every man and woman everywhere do, do that. And that's the second part. Uh, that, uh, let the rivers clap their hands. Now, the psalmist doesn't believe that rivers have, have hands. It's a metaphor. But he's saying, you know, let, you know, sometimes you're going by the water and you hear it slapping on the, on the shore. And he's saying, let, I, everything, let everything that can make a sound praise God. That's where we're going. And, and then why should we do that? And when should we do that? We should do that for all time. Before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth, he will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. And so it looks forward in time to the time of the final judgment. And it says that we ought to be praising at all times in between. 
we should be singing a new song because God is great and because he loves us and because he brought us near and he forgives us and he paid the penalty for us and he brings us together into church bodies like this where people learn to love one another and care for one another and they learn to be held accountable and they learn to, to become more than they were without one another. Because we need one another. Amen? Amen. And so for all those reasons, and I wish I had a lot more time, but we've got something else important to do. And so we're going to hear of one of our, our members here whose life has been transformed, and, and um, we want to hear his testimony and, and follow the Lord in, in baptism with um, Evan. Now, before I uh, go there and as I get ready, because I have to take the microphone off and take everything out of my pockets and, and uh, take my shoes off and my socks off, and um, Evan's already ready, I need to talk to you about what we're doing and what we're not doing, and especially because we have visitors here from you know, all over, I see as I look around, as I look out there as well. Um, but uh, we're not saving anybody this morning, Right? What we're doing when we baptize somebody is we're saying that this person has been saved by Christ. They have already believed in Christ. And because they have believed, they now want to be obedient to Christ and follow him in what he commanded. And that is when, when disciples are made, that we are to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so wanting to do what Jesus told us to do and wanting to do it as close to the pattern of what Jesus did, we baptize by, in, in, we go through all this expense and, and, and build up to put something like this together that's normally not here uh, because we want to get as close to being baptized like Jesus as we understand the scripture as we possibly can. Does this mean that if you were sprinkled or poured over that, uh, that your baptism doesn't count? No, there's nothing wrong with those. In fact, uh, our church um, has no official mode of baptism. Evangelical free churches will baptize by immersion, most of them. Some will baptize by pouring. Some will baptize by sprinkling. But what are, why do we do this? What, why does our church do this? because we believe that this is the way that Jesus was baptized and how the early church was baptized. And the word baptizo uh, actually means to immerse. That's what it means. Unfortunately, when English translation started to be made, uh, the translators, when they came across the word baptizo, uh, they just transliterated it. That is, they brought it into English with, in, in a way that still sounded like the, the Greek. And so for centuries, uh, people have thought of baptism as, um, uh, as maybe differently than the first century church thought of it. But we believe that the early church, what they did is because of what, how it's described, they're always described as going down into the water and then coming up. And it's the best way to symbolize what baptism is all about. Because what Evan's going to tell us, he's going to give us his testimony, but what's behind his testimony is, I have believed in Christ. I was dead in my sins. But now, because I've believed in Christ on the basis of his sacrifice and the payment that he made for my sins, I am alive in Christ. 
and I will be alive forever because of the resurrection, his resurrection being the first, I'm going to be resurrected, rec resurrected too because he's, he paid for my sins. And so he goes down below the water, symbolizing being buried, and then he's brought up above the water, symbolizing resurrection, right? We ought to start clapping as people come out of the water. That's what we ought to do. I love an African-American church that uh, I heard of. I've, I've never seen this, but I've thought about maybe we should do that. Um, they have a, a, a little tunic. Actually, they, have a, uh, they put everybody in a white, kind of make them look like angels first. And then there's a little cape, a black cape that they uh, have as they go into the baptismal waters. As they go into the waters, uh, the pastor has talked to them, and they, when they go down in the water, they let go of the cape. And they come up out of the water, and they're white as snow. Isn't that a great symbol? See, we're, we're not washing anybody's sins away here. Jesus has already done that for those of us who have believed. He's done that. But there's the symbol. That's why we do it this way. Because Evan's sins, all of them, past, present, and future, have all been paid for by Jesus already. And that's what we're going to celebrate. Amen?